Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Be Real. This is your host, Etnisha. And I am sad to say that Diana is not here this week. Diana needed some uh, vacation time. So she is off somewhere frolicking on a beach, I would gather. I am here, but I am not alone, which is a good thing. This month, which we're in July, I don't know when you guys will be listening to this, but right now it's July. And we are celebrating Minority Mental Health Month which was started back in 2008. It has been renamed slash rebranded to BIPOC Mental Health Month. So for this purposes of the podcast, we will keep it as Minority Mental Health Month, just so you guys know. I'm super excited because like, I have all the ladies of Be Well here who are a part of the BIPOC community. So I am gonna go around and I'm going to let the ladies introduce themselves And we're going to get into a conversation about why is Minority Mental Health Month important. I am going to start with uh, Dr. Victoria Rodriguez, and I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners, Victoria. Hi, everyone. Um, As Anisha mentioned, I'm Dr. Victoria Rodriguez. I'm a licensed therapist um, with my doctorate in strategic leadership. So I do some business consulting and strategy leadership development work um, in addition to psychotherapy. Um, Also, I'm a running coach and like like to run. (laughs) Other than that, um, oh, I think also I identify um, as Mexican-American and Puerto Rican, um, so Latina. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria. And we're going to go over to Suheili Nunez. Good morning, ladies, and good morning to everyone listening. Uh, my name is Suheili, and I am a licensed mental health counselor, and I identify as Afro-Latina. And to me, that's acknowledging my Latin American um, ancestry as well as my African roots. Thank you, Suheili. Um, and we're going to go over to Ms. Divya Robbins. Hi, listeners. So my name is Divya Robin. I'm a mental health counselor in New York City. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, it's a really important conversation. How I identify, um, I'm South Asian and my parents are immigrants. So I'm a first generation immigrant. So both of those really um, identify into who I am and what brings me to talk about mental health today. So thank you guys for having me. And we'll um, turn it over to Tanika Chamberlain. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tanika Chamberlain. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I identify as African-American. And I think we'll go over to Ms. Tamika Covington. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Tamika Covington. Um, So I am a licensed social worker in the state of New York, 
And as far as how I identify, I will say mostly Black or West Indian American. Thank you, ladies, so much for introducing yourselves. I really kind of just want to jump right in, right? I am so excited about having this conversation because I think that this is also a way to normalize therapy, right? Especially in our various communities that we are just talking about it. And I think that that is what's important that we don't uh, feel like it's something that is shameful that we shouldn't talk about, right? Because mental health, that's just kind of our emotional, psychological, social, and social well-being, right? It's how, how we think, how we act, how we feel. It's something that should be talked about. So Victoria, I'm going to go over to you. Um, why do you think that there is a need for Minority Mental Health Month? There is a strong need because I think there has been certain populations, um, specifically the minority, minority populations that have just mental health hasn't kind of been either talked about within their cultures or within their, um, you know, kind of among their communities. And there hasn't been an emphasis outside of their communities to kind of really ensure that those bridges are gapped in terms of mental health. You know, we've spoken about it before, how important like mental health is, is just as important as physical health. And I don't think you know, we could talk about the physical health aspects and how there's disparities there within different minority communities, but just the level of disparities and the importance, and, and you know, we'll probably talk about that in our own personal experiences, but uh, there's just such a need to kind of make sure those populations get the care that they need so that they can thrive in, in, in new ways. Thank you, Victoria. Victoria raised a lot of great points. I think having a month dedicated to minority mental health is very important. It's necessary. Having cultural recognition is necessary for equality, for equity, um, because a day of recognition and acknowledgement is great. And we have some of those. But I think a month-long cultural recognition, it, it sustains the focus um, longer than the tributes that are limited to a day do. So when we have that month-long recognition, it can facilitate a much broader understanding and appreciation of a culture and some of the barriers like Victoria had mentioned. And it's, it's a time frame of appreciation for people's history, right? For the history of minorities, for the BIPOC community uh, to, in a way to help strengthen those identities and those cultures that have been marginalized and mental health, because that's what it's about. So acknowledging also that their access uh, is not the same access that necessarily others have. Yeah, you know, I think it's important that we talk about that the lived experiences of people of color in America is just different from white America, for which mental health treatment was based. So it's not a one size fit all kind of thing. And I think that when people are able to see therapists of color, that they realize that, okay, you know, I might get a different experience, maybe I might get a an experience that I am looking for also. So I think that that's important. Yeah, so I really love that there's a whole month for talking about these issues. So the month of May is just mental health month. And I, I find that during the month, that month, we talk about mental health and it's in such like a blanket way of just self-care and taking <laughs> mental health and go to therapy. But all of those experiences are so different for people who are minoritized in the U.S. and and the lived experience is so different. So mental health care in general looks different. Mental health is something that everybody has, but at the same time, even though everybody has mental health, it is a different kind of journey for BIPOC. And so it's important to really just take time to acknowledge those uniqueness in, in the mental health world, like as clinicians. So for all of us to talk about it, so we can continue to serve our clients. And then also for 
people who are from marginalized communities so that they can also know that their mental health is important and how can they be empowered? How can they have conversations about it? And so I think it's just another month to continually validate how important that is for people of color because in their upbringing, it might have not been validated as much the importance of mental health. So I think having a whole month really signifies like this is a very important concept and being able to just do things like what we're doing now um, to keep talking about it. And, and I think all of that's just like really important. Yeah, I love to see all the Instagram pages and all the therapists that are on Instagram that throughout the month of July, you know, they're kind of, you know, putting stuff up and, and just giving people resources and helping people understand that you should be seen, you should be heard and you should be supported. And that's what we want to do. We want to highlight that there is a need for the BIPOC community to, you know, have access to mental health. And there's many ways that you can have access and they're out there kind of giving ways that you can get access. So I, I love that there is not just a day, but a whole month. I think that for, especially for women of color, when you discussing mental health, I know for me, it was considered a luxury. It wasn't considered something that's like you go see a PCP and not a requirement, but a luxury that we've seen in movies or in shows. I wish I knew about therapy when I was in my 20s because it's so important, especially for people of color when they're in work, um, where their work experience is impacted by their race or their culture, their employment, their education, all of that is impacted by race and culture. And in order to maintain or manage those issues, you have to pay attention to your mental health and you have to be able to manage that. So therapy is so important. And I feel like this month provides education that removes the stigma that's associated with mental health. Because I can say for my community, mental health, if you're telling someone, even still to this day, even though the stigma is slowly being removed, um, I'm seeing a therapist. The first question is, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? And I think that this month helps to educate and remove some of that stigma associated with therapy and mental health. And, you know, I, I appreciate that, Tanika, because as a Black woman, I feel the same way, right? Like, I remember I went to therapy in my 20s, and I remember keeping it from my family from a real, for a really long time because I knew that there would be some backlash, right? Like, either it, it would have been a joke, but it would have been something very negative that would make me feel bad about it, right? And I remember when I finally told them, like you said, Tanika, the first question that was asked is, well, are you crazy? Like, what's wrong with you? You seem normal to me. Like, what you need a therapist for? And I'm like, I just need a safe space to talk about what's going on in my life, right? Like, and why can't I have that? And then it would be like, well, you could just talk to a friend. Well, it's not the same talking to a friend. Like, let's be very clear about that. And it was not something that was accepted for a very long time in my household. And I'm one of seven children. And it took some time for them to kind of get used to it. And then I became a therapist. I think that that started to normalize it a little bit more as well for them because it was like, oh, you want to actually do this for a living. And I talked about the ways in which I help people and in ways that they weren't even aware of. Like, if you just want to kind of clarify what's going on in your life, you can go see a therapist, right? Like, so there's so many ways and we'll talk about all the reasons why someone might want to go to therapy. So I won't get into that now, but you know, that same feeling of, are you crazy came up many times, Tanika. So I, that really resonates with me. So thank you for that. 
Um, I appreciate, you know, the word that you use, Nisha, about normalizing um, mental health and especially in communities of color. So I know for myself as one who identifies as black or again, West Indian American, um, there is still very much a stigma within our communities when it comes to mental health and receiving mental health services. So, you know, some people tend to be very comfortable with just saying, you know, this cousin has a problem, that aunt has a problem, they're just crazy, you know them, but no one really takes the time to figure out what's really happening here. Like, is there a mental diagnosis? here? Like, is there a deeper issue that can be addressed outside of just pushing it off to like, you know, them? Um, I also feel like the reason why having a whole month is important is because it emphasizes that there's a need to continue having these conversations. And it's not a trend. It's not a phase. It's not something that, you know, we're going to talk about for this moment, and then it's just going to fade away. Like, it's something that we need to continue talking about every year, but then also regularly, every month, every week, if we can. And so I really do value that we have come a ways in knowing that minorities, mental health, people of color, BIPOC people are not necessarily um, as likely to seek out mental health services. And there's also less clinicians of color. And so what does that look like? And, and how can we shed light on um, getting the help that you need, even as a person of color? And so that's why it's important to me. Yeah. And, you know, as clinicians of color, I think we only make up maybe 5% of all clinicians, right? So I think also for people who are out there looking for a therapist, sometimes the thought is I might not be able to find someone who looks like me. And if that is important to you, then we are out there, right? And it might be a small percentage, but you can find us. And I, I think that, you know, by the end of this, we should definitely give people maybe some sites where they can find um, BIPOC therapists, because I think it's um, really important. But, you know, you brought up something, Tamika, we are less likely to use community mental health services. I think sometimes we don't even know that they're in our community. Tanika and I actually used to work together at um, a mental health clinic in the Bronx. And I would go outside sometimes and it was like um, these guys that would be standing across the street and they would say, one day I was like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, yeah. He was like, well, what's that over there? And I'm like, oh, like it's a mental health clinic and I'm a therapist. They're like, oh, really? And I've had like long conversation, guys, with people in the community about what I do. And you would be so surprised that they were like, oh, I never knew, number one, that's what was going on in there, right? Like, and I, I didn't know that I can find a therapist that was brown. That was another thing. And I started to talk to him about the reasons why he should, right? He had lost his brother and he was going through grief. And it seemed like the grief was turning into depression after he started talking to me about symptoms. And I actually talked him into coming in. So again, it's about sometimes a lack of awareness and a lack of education. So sometimes people just don't know. And also, you know, what we don't talk about is minorities are more likely to receive lower quality care as well. And so there is that too, right? There's this distrust that is there, you know, around services. And so it's like, oh, if I'm, am I crazy? Am I going to be hospitalized? Are my rights going to be taken away from me? Like, what is it going to be like? The stigma, I think it's, and I think that's why this month is so important, the education on removing that st stigma or stigmas associated with mental health. You mentioned, am I going to be hospitalized? Um, are my rights going to be taken away? Or am I crazy? It always goes back to, in our communities, am I crazy? And, and mental health, it's not about necessarily a mental health diagnosis. It's really about managing your mental health while you are, journey while you are continuing your journey throughout life. You have to know how to manage your symptoms. If you, every day is different. You can feel depressed one day and happy the next. But when you're in that feelings of depression or when you're experiencing sadness, how do you manage that? 
And you really get that in your journey in therapy. You're able to really tune into who you are and how to manage those symptoms and, and find out what is triggering these symptoms because it can go all the way back to childhood. People don't understand the foundation of mental health is impacted by many, many different things. Yes, thank you for that. I think another thing that's really important that I thought of with what Tanika was saying about just the awareness of why it's important and how mental health starts so early in our childhood is to also think about knowing about mental health services and just like talking about mental health we really learn through observing what's around us. And if growing up, that wasn't really talked about and we didn't know, wait, where, where's the nearest therapist? We might've known like, that's where my PCP is, but we're not taught like, oh, that's a therapy office. And so we're not going to be, we grow up looking for that then. And so it's really, a, it's a different experience to go looking for that on your own. And so I, I think first of all, to like applaud a lot of us, because I think one thing that we've all talked about is how we're some of like, you'd say like the trailblazers in our families and in our communities of starting to talk about therapy, go to therapy. And the thing is that that's going to have like a domino effect on the generations to come too, because then they'll be able to observe that, oh, they talk about mental health, they go to therapy. And so that'll be normalized that future generations will also have that kind of relationship, hopefully with mental health, that's a different relationship than we all may have had. So I think that also is another importance for Minority Mental Health Month because it doesn't even have only an impact on present moment, but on the future also. Definitely. Just to add to what Divya mentioned, I, I do believe that culturally and historically within our communities, we oftentimes learn to ignore or minimize the importance of mental health or our symptoms or what we're experiencing. So I hear words all the time, such as like, I'm, I'm just a little stressed, I'm a bit tired, I'm a bit cranky or lazy, right? And these are the words that we use. And something that I noticed when I was working at a hospital is that most of the clients that see the therapist or the psychiatrist, we're not their first point of contact. It's their PCP, it's their primary care provider, the medical providers, you know, because for a lot of people in our community, that's a respected authority figure and we Mm. trust them, right? I'm not crazy. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm just seeing my doctor because I have a headache. I have some chest pain. I have some heart palpitation. So you see your doctor. And I think that's why it's so important for medical providers and doctors to get trained, right? To be culturally sensitive and know how to assess people from different populations and understand that certain physical symptoms, there can be an underlying mental health concern there, right? So instead of just kind of viewing it through that medical model that a headache is just a headache, here's an aspirin, being trained and understanding, just asking a few questions, how was your week? You know, any changes that you've been experiencing the past few weeks can make a difference. And then when you have that warm handoff from a respected provider to a therapist, that already serves to strengthen that alliance that you have with your therapist. And I think that we need that so much because there is that wall. I don't want to go outside of my family to see somebody and then be labeled. I think that's such an important thing that you brought up, Suhaili, is the warm handoff. And I know that most PCPs are now screening for depression, which is so important, right? Because they're saying, okay, like I've identified something with, you know, in you that you may need some extra help and some help that I can't give. So let me go ahead and refer you here. And I think that people are more likely to take those referrals because it came from a doctor, someone that they trust that they've been seeing. I am going to take a break now. And when we get back, 
I want to talk about how our personal backgrounds and identity make access to mental health treatment kind of more difficult for us. So hopefully we can talk a little bit more about that. So we'll take a break, guys. We'll be right back. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. And we're back. We're going to start with you, Divya. And so we want to talk about like, does, do you believe, you know, your personal background and identity make access to mental health treatment more difficult? Totally. 100%. And I, I have a few reasons when I think, and I'm going to speak for me specifically. And I just want to really highlight that, that speaking from my experience in South Asian as a child of immigrants, and I know that will look different than another person who identifies as South Asian, but I'm going to speak from my perspective right now. Um, definitely has made it harder in one of the aspects that we've all talked about and that being stigma. Mental health treatment is still something that's very, very new in the South Asian community. There's a lot of talk similarly to what Anisha was saying, like, are you crazy? Why would you like, why are you going to therapy? Why would you need mental health treatment? There's a lot of um, struggling in silence is what I witnessed growing up. So really, really having stuff going on, but not talking about it, like putting up this strong front. And I think that comes back to another part of what makes it hard with seeking mental health treatment as a child of immigrants, which is one thing that I know that I've, I've talked with other children of immigrants. And it's, it's been a common experience of thinking about almost like guilt about going to mental health treatment when you think about all that the, your family has done, being like, my family's immigrated here. My family went through so many hardships. They did so much to give us the life we have. And they say, you know, they didn't have mental health treatment. They really struggled with a lot of things with um, acclimating to a new culture and and just feeling lonely in a new culture. And so feeling guilty sometimes that you have the access to those resources. So that can be another barrier that, at least for me, I've seen with children of immigrants. So generally speaking, the South Asian culture stigma, and then another layer to that is with being a child of immigrants, how there can be a little bit of guilt with seeking mental health treatment, especially when you know generations before didn't have that. Thank you for that, Divya. In regards to like the different layers, and I guess also the different communities we're associated with. So for me, I'm Black, yes, but I'm also the the child of immigrants. And I do feel like, you know, there was this sense of things are supposed to stay in the home. And I'm sure that that's beyond just Black households, that there's other cultures who feel like when things happen in the house, they stay in the house. You don't share that with others outside of your home. Um, that's personal. 
And then this sense of feeling like you are weak, right? So if you can't just push past things, if you can't just pray about it, then there's something sincerely wrong with you. And so even for me, I also identify as Christian and mental health services within the church is also another layer. Um, And so now I feel like something that I've been doing is really trying to hold space to let people know that it is okay. And we do need to break the stigma. And so I have had more recently people from, you know, more of the Christian faith reaching out and saying like, hey, like, I would love for you to work with my child or my cousin or my this or my that, because I do feel like there's something here, right? And I do believe in wise counsel. So for some people, therapy, the word therapy can be very triggering, right? And therapy means that there's a um, a, a greater issue there versus I'm willing to um, see a counselor. So I think that that's also a different dynamic when we think about people of color who are willing to seek out mental health services, you know, the name, who they're seeing all make a difference and impacts their decision to, to seek out help or not. I think as a therapist, language is something always, it's something that I'm always mindful about of what words I use uh, and how to kind of approach a situation where I'm working with a family that comes from this community. And there's already that hesitation because disrespect or the idea of disrespecting your family because you're seeing a therapist it's real and many cultures me personally we highly value family and the family bond that we have and loyalty and what happens in the family stays in the family when I was a kid it was you know you get punished and when we go to a family party you have a smile on no one knows what happens at home Uh, You don't tell the therapist, you don't tell the psychiatrist, you don't tell anybody what happened at home. I always try to think back to my childhood because that can discourage people from seeing a provider. Am I betraying my family? And if I know that I had that same sensation growing up, I can only imagine that other people are experiencing that as well. So the language that you use um, and just thinking about how it was for you growing up, that can really be a good foundation to uh, you know, for the com- the next conversation or what that therapeutic space can look like. And just to piggyback off of Sueli, Divya, and Tamika, childhood plays such a huge role. And I think it's underestimated how much childhood plays a role in mental health services, um, educational mental health. I feel like as, as a Black woman, and I can only speak for myself, and maybe other people can relate to this, I was told to cry or to show emotion was a sign of weakness. When it's in fact the opposite, in my opinion, now that I'm able to reflect, that's a sign of strength. Because if you bottle up that emotional, if you hold it inside, eventually you're going to burst. And it's very unhealthy to bottle up those emotions. So I feel like if children, adolescents, adults are educated on mental health a lot earlier, but be able to process our feelings in a, a much healthier way, as opposed to, I feel like as a Black woman, I'm late to the game. Even as a therapist, I'm late. Again, I think I said this earlier, I wish I had known about mental health and therapy services in my early 20s. I would probably be in a different space mentally at this point in my life. So I feel like if we are able to educate people for a month, for six months, for a year, for a lifetime, the importance of mental health, I think is still beneficial to our community. Totally piggybacking off everything that everyone has said. Um, and speaking from my own personal experiences, um, again, as a Latina, Mexican-American, um, Puerto Rican, and also Christian, <laughs> uh, grew up in a very, very, um, well, very Hispanic, predominantly Hispanic, Hispanic uh, community. Um, and there was all of that as well, experience kind of 
uh, at least more more connected there was more mexican americans in, in my particular community it was a lot of um right you don't talk about things outside of the family you bring it back family's so important um so you don't kind of bring take out your dirty laundry into other into to other people um you either hold it in you deal with it or you pray it away and i do think that there was different different um i guess on the other side, if you did seek therapy, there was differences even between um, females and, and males within the population. If you were male, you weren't strong. I mean, and if you were female, you were crazy. So there's even different kind of ways people would think about it if you did seek it out. Um, and personally, in terms of like being even second generation, I'm second generation. My mom was first generation. Like my grandparents came here in the 50s um, from Mexico. There's this whole kind of again, aspect, I think for a lot of second generations or specifically just speaking for the Mexican-American side of like therapy is kind of considered more of like to say it, but like a white thing you do. And so you're kind of balancing, you want to be connected to your culture, um, but you're also trying to kind of enter this other space and, and, and balance the American side, the American white side with like your cultural roots of being, you know, Mexican and or for me, Mexican and, and Puerto Rican and Latina. Um, so it's this kind of consistent balance. And I do think individuals who who are balancing that might not know even stop at seeking therapy because there's so much going on like within your own head of why maybe you shouldn't either you're disrespecting your family you're disrespecting your culture um you should just handle it on your own you can pray it away um so those are kind of things i've even kind of had to resolve within myself but yeah i think this month can kind of does bring that to awareness i think education is key i think awareness is key i think the more different populations can kind of see that there are people struggling with the same things that there are they, that there are therapists that that do look like them i think it is breaking cycles um, and kind of introducing into these cultures that there is this option there's this opportunity to get mentally strong and build mental resiliency and look back at your childhood and all these things that have kind of impact you uh, throughout so that i think somebody was speaking about future generations the importance of you know breaking i guess those chains if you will so that you know you can in the future future kids and generations will see that it is okay to be a therapist, um, be a therapist, but also seek therapy and maybe be a therapist. What's interesting is as, as a Black woman, I, I think that the thought of masking pain has always been something that was normalized. I feel like in my home, I think in my community as well. I mean, I think that um, due to the history of Black people in this country, the history of slavery, we were told to just do and not feel, right? And so now you have generations and generations that are suffering in silence. You are just taught to just push through, right? They'll say, put your big girl panties on, which is super toxic, which just means don't feel, right? Just means push it down, push it down, push it down until you don't feel it anymore and it'll be okay. But it actually won't be okay. For me as a therapist who goes to therapy, every week I'm continuing to uncover things, right? That maybe in my childhood, I thought that I forgot or I thought that like I was okay and I'm not. Right. And I brought some stuff up to my mom recently and she was like, are you still thinking about that? And I'm like, I don't think that you understand it hurting me in a way that I wasn't able to talk about back then. Right. And I think that, again, I wasn't really able to talk about my feelings. Right. Like I've heard many times, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever happened was enough of a reason for me to cry about it. Like, so I don't want to, you know, get punished for being sad about what just happened to me. So I, I think that when I listen to all of you ladies talk, it's just kind of about normalizing the things that was not normal for us, right? Was, was going to therapy, talking about our feelings, talking about what we needed when we weren't getting it and seeking help 
and my family is predominantly Christian. And so again, like take it to God, pray. And I'm like, and I remember telling my sister, I was like, I don't know about you, but God doesn't talk back to me, right? Like I need somebody who's going to talk back to me and help me work through whatever it is I'm going through. And so I might need something different. I am one of seven kids. I'm the only one in my family who goes to therapy. I'm pushing everybody. They haven't gotten on the bandwagon yet, but um, I'm definitely pushing it. And I love that right now, my friends, they all like, oh, Anisha, I need a therapist. Or my sister's friend needs a therapist. Can you help me? And so I'm always helping people find a therapist. And I feel so good about that. But we talk about what makes it difficult. Also, we, we haven't mentioned it sometimes in our communities, there's lack of insurance, right? And so we are all therapists in private practice, and we know that that can be expensive. So again, there's the access. People are just underinsured. So for a lot of us on this panel, I'll just keep it real. We take out-of-network benefits, right? Everybody doesn't have out-of-network benefits. So they may not be able to see us. Some people are dealing with poverty. So they don't even like to think about going to a therapist when I don't may not know where my next meal is coming from. That's very difficult. Right. And when Tanika and I worked in the Bronx, we worked with people who are either at the poverty line or below the poverty line. Right. So sometimes they're coming in there and, you know, I'm talking about feelings and all this. And they're like, Anisha, I don't have nowhere to stay. Anisha, I don't know how I'm going to eat tonight. When you work in some of those communities, a lot of it is just finding resources for people, just letting people know where things are that they need. I can help you get those things. And therapy and private practice looks a little bit different, right? You know, we don't have to help people with that, right? Because those people are at a different place in their life that they don't need kind of those resources. But when you are working in impoverished communities, it looks very different. And so people think that therapy is a luxury. And for some people it is, but there are free services out there right? And there are services that if you are on Medicaid that you can get. So it's just about, again, education. And I like that you mentioned luxury. It's reframing our way of thinking and how we approach mm-hmm. mental health. Yes. It should be on the same level as your PCP or maintaining your physical health. I always say, even in my sessions, if you're not mentally well, you're still not okay. You can be in the best shape of your life, but if you're depressed and it's preventing you from getting out of bed, that's going to impact you just as much as if you broke a leg. So if you broke your leg, you will run to the hospital. And if you're not feeling well, you should be running to your therapist. I think that you should have a a, a yearly check-in with a therapist, just like you do your doctor, right? Like, hey, can I get three sessions so we could just talk about something, some things so I can figure out where I am, right? Like, am I mentally well right now? Are there some things that I can be doing so I can feel better, right? What are my self-care practices? And self-care, I got to tell you, as a Black woman, I didn't even know what that meant until what, maybe two or three years ago. Like I'm just used to taking care of me and taking care of other people because that's what I've been taught. And I've, I wasn't taught to prioritize myself because I had six other siblings and parents and grandparents. I was taught to take care of other people. So for some of us, you know, on this panel, even self-care is something that's just very new and very foreign. And we have to talk to our clients about. And so, and part of the self-care is boundaries. Like I'm teaching boundaries all day, every day in session. Because a lot of people don't have boundaries because we were taught that you have to take care of the family, right? It's about the community. And some, it can be about the community, it can be about the family, but you also have to prioritize yourself. The importance of self-care and recognizing the importance of even the, the physical and the mental health connection, like mm-hmm. your mental health, it can manifest in ways that are going to phys- it like really impact your physical health. And there can be kind of a discrepancy sometimes in understanding that, oh, these physical symptoms are actually coming from mental health issues. So I think, right, in kind of 
really bringing that understanding as, as you guys were kind of mentioning the importance of, you know, I wish there was yearly checkups too for like your mental health. You check in with your mental health practitioner. I mean, obviously more than a year, but at least once if you're not in treatment or something, just to kind of make sure you're, you're connected in both, uh, both ways or connected on both um, levels in terms of your physical health and your mental health. Uh, and I think just kind of bringing an awareness as to what can offset some of those symptoms that men manifest physically in terms of self-care and really kind of educating on the importance of that too. So I agree, Nisha, we need it all a little bit more in our lives sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What Victoria said, it, it really resonates because I think it's even like the language that you have, you might not really realize that you're struggling mentally and the language you have is only about physical health mm-hmm. when you come from maybe a minoritized background. I know for me, I grew up with a lot of stomach aches. <laughs> I would say I have stomach ache and my mom would be like, oh, you just always have a stomach ache like before you take a test or before you have to perform. And the older I got, I was like, this is anxiety. Like I'm very anxious. And so what I would I would talk about that in therapy and start to be like, wait, this these constant stomach aches was anxiety. But it's like that language there wasn't it wasn't even thought of like by, by my mom or by me that this is a stomach ache, it's maybe anxiety, it's a symptom of anxiety. So even like starting to educate that these physical symptoms can manifest in ways that like, let's check in with mental health, because I think a lot of people are also living just being like, I have this physical symptom in this one, but they're not really putting the connection together that it could be also mental health related and, and it likely is. So yeah, I was, I was going to piggyback and kind of share that education is key. And there's many different ways that we can educate both on um, a micro and a macro level. Something that I'm thinking about is even unfortunately how, you know, sometimes we have people within our communities who experience a mental health crisis and we've heard police officers have shown up and caused additional trauma in that situation. Sometimes people have even lost their lives, unfortunately. So something that I feel like we need to continue to do is to educate and to also have um, government officials be aware that this is something that needs to be changed on a larger scale. I was very happy to hear that New York announced like new mental health teams to respond to mental health crises where like nurses and mental health professionals will be the ones to show up when a 911 call is placed versus just having police officers who may not be familiar with the particular culture um, show up, be afraid to interact and, and just take a life. And so I feel like education is really key and I can't stress that enough. And for those who are listening, I definitely feel like we all have a job to do, right? Like as therapists, as mental health professionals, yes, we're here to educate. Yes, we're here to work with people, but we all have different platforms. We all have people and communities that we can connect with. So you can use your platforms to post. You can share within smaller settings, whether friends or family, like, you know, I am going to therapy or this is why it's important or just shedding a little bit of light on what therapy can look like because especially during the pandemic there were so many people at least for myself who were coming to therapy for the first time and they had no idea what to expect they were afraid and very hesitant for years to even give it a try but now because they were home by themselves it heightened it for them where they were like i can't like handle this from by myself anymore and so it was during the consultations really explaining to people like this is your journey i'm on this journey with you and these are some ways that we can work together Um, And I do want to kind of also name the fact that because there are not as many um, providers of color in this field, we're not saying that you need to see a Black or Hispanic therapist just because you're Black or Hispanic or 
Asian or anything else. What we're saying is that we're out there and we're available in case that's the connection that you would love, you know, to make um, during this time. But there's other people of other identities, races, and so forth who can also service you. But it's a matter of you communicating what it is that's important to you at that point in time to work on. Thank you for that, Tanika. I want to briefly talk about New York City. We have something called New York City Well. Well, where it's 24-7 that you can call in and you can actually get a therapist. So New York City has definitely prioritized mental health in a different way under the de, de Blasio administration. And I think that is really important that they've been really shining a light on the importance of mental health in all communities and saying that, listen, if you need the help, it's here for you, right? And it's free. And I think that's important too, because sometimes people don't know how to kind of get the help that they need. But listen, there are so many hotlines out there, right? That if you don't, if you're not able to actually get in touch with a therapist, make the connection, get the appointment, wait for the appointment, there is someone out there that you can just kind of get to instantly. If you are listening to this, there are services probably in your city or in your state similar to that, that if you just need someone in a moment, there are places that you can go. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.